This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. game time uh we're back even though we've been so incredibly irregular with our episodes but we're here and we're doing some stuff from the weekend um we're going to start with the fa cup danny thanks for being here oh thank you very much for having um me. millwall brighton the final uh oh. champions or the final non-premier league club uh, knocked out of the fa cup so we've got an all premier league semi-final went to penalties though was really close it was and uh I mean, I'm just going to throw this one in there. Alan, obviously a West Ham fan. I imagine that he would have been absolutely loving this at the weekend had he not run a half marathon and probably been in tears anyway. So, so I imagine he didn't, uh, didn't watch the game. But you know what? Full credit to both of those sides because Millwall marshaled that game pretty much perfectly for about 93 minutes. And yes, Brighton did get back into the game through Jurgen Lukadia. But but Millwall were really good, like really good. And and there's something about them in the FA Cup. They seem to have a very weird relationship with. They just do very very well in it. And and they were pretty much a glove away from the semi final. Um, Solly March, who came on for Brighton, got a free kick in the 94th minute. And and he looked like he overhit it to be honest. And I, and as he hit, it, I thought, ah, oh, come on, mate, you got to put a better ball in than that. And then for some reason, and I'm not sure why, the Millwall goalkeeper Martin just absolutely fluffs his lines. And and if he leaves it, if you watch the replay, if he leaves it, it probably drifts wide. But he tries to get a glove on it and he inadvertently turns it into his own net. Um, and then after that, I just thought there's only one side winning this. Um, it went to penalties. Ferguson got himself sent off for a stupid stamp like in the last minute. But um, yeah, Brighton in the end come out on penalties. It, it's cliche, but it's a lottery. Um, but fair, fair play to both of them for what was a very, very entertaining uh, Sunday semi-final, quarter-final, I should say. I mean, you look at the stats, gutting to uh, concede a goal in the 88th and the 95th minute uh, in an FA Cup quarter-final. Yeah. It's so horrid. But um, like we said, it's uh, full Premier League um, semi-finals now with uh, Swansea being knocked out by Manchester City. After being, what, 2-0 up, were they? Um, they were indeed. They were, yeah, much much like Millwall, two 0 up against the Premier League side. Against, well, the, probably the best team in the country, Manchester City. What a what a comeback to come um, go and win that match, and a devastating own goal as well from Swansea to seal the deal. I again, much like Millwall, hats off to Swansea because they played some some brilliant football. They were really under the cosh in like the first ten minutes as well. I was uh, I was watching the game whilst at work. And Leroy Sane was just powering into the box and Mares had a chance all within the first 10 minutes. And I thought, you know what, this is going to be, this is going to be a bit tasty. But fair play to Swansea, they, they battled back. And I'm not sure if you saw their second goal. Oh my God, they passed oh, it City was off the stunning. pitch. At like, 
they looked like City against Swansea, but just the other way around. Yeah, oh, I totally agree with you. And and Selena, who scored the goal, used to play for Man City as well. Um, and it was a it was a great finish. He was also the guy that I'm not sure if you saw um, the week before missed a horrendous penalty against West Brom when he tried to like Penenka it and he slipped and kicked the ball with a standing foot and it rolled away. <laughs> right. it, was, uh, it was brilliant. But you know what? Again. This one a little bit more controversial than the uh, the Brighton one because, yes, Man City did get back into the game through um, through the own goal to level it after Bernardo Silva had, had halved the deficit. But Sergio Aguero's goal was offside. And, and this is one thing that I wanted to ask you. Why? I don't understand why. It's, it's quarterfinals. Just use VAR in all of them. You can't, like, cherry-pick what you want. VAR to work. Surely they should have just used it in all of the quarterfinals rather than picking some. Oh, it's bullshit! Like, I, was it because it was at Swansea Stadium, not a Premier League stadium or something, so they didn't implement it? Like, it's stupid. Yeah. It's so you unfair. Know, yeah, totally agree with you. And do, sorry for interrupting, but do you know what? It's, it's hilarious. And I saw this on Twitter. Um, so absolutely fair play to to the guy who found this out. But do you know where the first ever trial? For VAR was taken place. AFC Wimbledon, Swansea Stadium. Oh my god! Do you, do you know who the referee was on that day? Was it Andre Mariner? It was Andre <laughs> Mariner. So pretty much in identical circumstances, bar the game that that took place, they trialed VAR in like an under twenty threes game at Swansea Stadium. So clearly, it, the stadium was fine to have it, and they've been completely screwed over going through by the fact that Sergio Aguero has scored a goal that, yes, it's tight. I'm not saying that it was like a mile offside, but he is offside by like a foot. It's, it's, I don't understand. Like, I mean, you'd expect it by now to have actually been in all competitions for stuff like offside, which is, you know, like a binary decision. But um, to have mm. it in some games and not others... Uh, especially when you know you've got a non-Premier League side versus a Premier League side as well, is just I just it's just ludicrous to not do it. And like they said, like it's a Premier League stadium. Like the Liberty is a big stadium. It's hosted Swansea when they were in the Premier League, and like you said, it was trial there. There's absolutely no excuse to not have it there. But um, let's take nothing away from Man City. I think as soon as we scored the first goal, you sort of were like, oh, they could do it now. They could come back, and it's always quite difficult to see even if City are behind to see them losing um, just because of the counter-attacking yeah. power they've got. Oh, yeah. And, and for, for all the good work that Swansea did to go 2-0 ahead, and it, and it was good work, they only had two shots on target. They created five chances. Two of them were on target. So they were clinical in that sense. They took their chances as they got them. One of them was a penalty. But, but City were dominant. Now, they had nearly 70% possession. Absolutely created chances at will. Does that mean that they deserve to go through? They were the better team probably on the day, but but football doesn't always work that way. But if you're Manchester City, you get away with it. No, I'm Manchester joking. United, you don't. Um, <laughs> bringing it <laughs> on luck. nicely. Uh, a 2-1 loss to Wolves, unfortunately. Um, Rashford scored in the 95th minute. Not quite enough um, to come back against Jimenez and Yota's goals. I mean... Talk us through the match, but the form that Himmler and Yota have been in to sort of perform for Wolves, and you know, they are like the top six killers uh, this season. Mm. Just how are they doing so well? And I'm not looking forward to having to play them again in, I think, two weeks' time in the Premier League. 
Wolves were brilliant from from every position on the pitch. They were top notch. And I think the thing that they did best is, and Wolves do this amazingly well, and I think we've talked about this on the pod before, Jao Martinho and Ruben Neves are not necessarily players that you think can defend a midfield very well. But Wolves defend the centre of the pitch so well. And they did it against United and they've done it against Chelsea the week before and they've done it against big teams over the season. They force those teams to pick a side and play out wide. But then they have the wing-backs that defend brilliantly in Doherty and Johnny. And that means that you can't actually get round them down the wings. You can't go down the middle. You kind of end up getting stuck, which is what Man United did all game. They had so much possession, but literally could do nothing with it. They pinged it out to Luke Shaw. Nothing happened. They closed him down. They pinged it out the other side to Dallow. Again, nothing happened. And United just could not find a way to break Wolves down. And, and I remember saying to, to my brother as we were watching the game, if Wolves score the first goal in this game, the tie is dead. There is no way they will let control of this game slip if they score the first goal. And they scored a brilliant first goal. As you said, Raul Jimenez in blistering form. I fucking love the fact that I put him in my fantasy team like two months ago. But uh, a really clever finish. A bit fortunate that he got to it, but swivels beautifully and just whacks it past uh, Sergio Romero. And then the second goal killed the game off. Jota absolutely does Luke Shaw in a tree. And then, honestly, I think Romero, who was very good in that game, to be fair, I'm not slagging off Romero, should do better with Jota's shot because it's at the near post. But after that second goal went in, uh, it, it was curtains for, for United. To be honest, I think after the first goal went in, it was curtains because Wolves were really, really good and fully deserved to go through to the semi-final. He's still backing Solskjaer? Yeah, yeah. I Like I said, I think he's got this team playing in a, in a very interesting and very dynamic way, which we haven't seen for a long time. I'm not going to sit there and make excuses because Wolves were miles better on the day, but the international break has come at a very good time for Manchester United. I think after that PSG game, you saw it against Arsenal, you saw it against Wolves, looked a little bit jaded, looked a little bit lacklustre in the, in the final third. So I think the international break has, has come at a good time for, for Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Hopefully they'll kick on afterwards. But again, Wolves, absolutely brilliant. And to be honest, I'm rooting for them in the semi-finals because I, I think they're a wonderful oh, team. Fully, like the way they've adapted to, to Premier League football um, this season, considering that, you know, it was them and Fulham that came up and spent big money. Uh, Fulham clearly mm. just not handling well at all. But Wolves seem to have sort of found a style of play that suits them got the players sort of you know that's how they want to play and they've just done like unbelievably well um it's such a brilliant uh, debut season uh you, you hit the nail on the head there with the with the they know how they want to play and and that's a thing like don't get me wrong cardiff know how they want to play and they do it but it is not as effective because it's not as efficient style of football but it works in some capacity but Wolves know exactly how they want to play. And Nuno is amazing at tailoring and just tinkering things for the big games because he knows, he just knows how football works. And you know what? And, and this is not me being biased because I used to be a goalkeeper. I think it's because he's a goalkeeper. He's seen for his entire career, the entire pitch unfold in front of him. So he probably knows exactly how a team should line up and how a team should set up. And he's got them playing absolutely brilliantly and 
yeah, like I said, rooting for them in the semi-finals. Though they are playing Watford, and I do kind of like Watford. <laughs> Nuno proving is good. Um, has also been potentially linked with the Chelsea job um, after there's been talks going on mm. at the club about Sarri and the club's future. Um, there's been four names linked with him, uh, linked with the club. Nuno was one of them, along with uh, Massimo Allegri, Lauren Blanc, and John Terry. Um, if if Sarri were to go, but that's Ooh. you know proving how uh, influential Nuno's been this season. Um, now, moving on to that Watford Crystal Palace match. Um, Watford expected winners. Uh, you know what? Because of the run that Palace have been on recently, they've looked a little bit shaky. Um, you'd say, and especially the way Watford have been performing in recent weeks in the league as well, you'd say Watford uh, were favourites for that one at home as well. But again, I don't like coming up with all the cliches, but it's a cup game. It's a one-off. Anything can happen. Bloody love cup football. Magic of the FA Cup, all that jazz. Does it still exist, the Magic of the FA Cup, with four Premier League teams in the semi-final? Yeah, because I think all of them, in some way, enacted some sort of magic to get through. Um, obviously, Brighton through the magic and lottery of penalties. Manchester City through the magic of the lines of yeah. side. <laughs> I mean, we saw we saw Burton uh, get to the semi-finals in the League Cup and, I mean, get trashed by City. But it's still a great to see um, such a lower-ranked team in um, relatively get to that stage. But... Hmm. The FA Cup is, I don't know, it's been, I think the last time, last team to win it that weren't a Premier League team were Wigan in like, what, 2012? Um, First year of uni. It's like, so is it, is it a genuine thing where like clubs or like lower league clubs don't have the actual chance to get to the, you know, the final of the FA Cup? Because I know we've talked about before how um, teams seem to like, Premier League team seems to rest their players and take it as a bit of a joke up until mm. like the quarterfinals. But um, do lower league teams actually have a chance now um, with the sort of other uh, top six, the Premier League pulling away, and then you've got teams like Wolves and Watford also doing really well? You know, are we going to see like another Wigan? I think at some point we might see it. I think the magic of the FA Cup is always one of those things that that is the magic of. <sighs> I don't know how to phrase this. The magic of the FA Cup is a thing. I think it's overstated, but it, it is a thing in a sense. And you're not going to see a non-league team winning the FA Cup. That's not going to happen. But I think they have their own little individual moments. Newport dumping out Premier League opposition and then, you know, giving it a good go against City. That's the sort of magic of the FA Cup. You see Wayne Shaw last season eating a pie <laughs> on the bench. That That's what the magic of the FA Cup is. It, it's... Yeah, it throws up all of these crazy scenarios. And, and yeah, fair play that, you know what, there is, there is still a good magic. One, one thing that I will mention, um, I know Ryan's not on the pod either this evening, but he won a lot of money for that Wigan final because he did bet Wigan to win in the first year of university. And then from that year on, me and Ryan and Tom used to just sit and watch the FA Cup on um, Match of the Day and just try and find like the weirdest lower league grounds. You know, like you get like a ground with like a car park in the background. <laughs> yeah. Like 
that there's like a with swing the one stand over that's the... like much lower or non-existent compared to the others. Yeah, and and that is what I think the magic of the FA Cup. I think it's one of those things that is different to everyone. But if if I had to pick a, a magic of the FA Cup moment, it'd be just being able to see teams that I'll never have ever heard of before actually giving it a good go in a, in a competition against occasionally top class opposition. And I think you're right. And I think it's it's like the third round knockouts as well. Whenever we when we see the, uh, mm. the higher league clubs. Um, actually come in and they get drawn against like Wimbledon or I don't know Stockport and um, just have a you know they come up to a bobbly pitch that um, these players <laughs> on 200k a week have never seen before and like look absolutely helpless um, and then you get you know the the big like six foot four lanky striker up front that manages to get ahead on it in the 92nd minute Um and win the game or the, you know, the, the away days where um, these tiny little clubs get to go and play at like Old Trafford or the Etihad and, uh, mm. you know, the away fans get to travel and it's always, a, you know, a great blast. So I think, I think that's, I think you're right. I think it's maybe the smaller things that um, in the FA Cup that mean a lot, especially if it, that is your club. Um, I think that's so, so special exactly. if you get, yeah, if you get Manchester United to go to, um, your tiny little ground where they can't fit in the away end. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's great, and you're right. And and to be fair, there has been a lot of upsets this year as well as as every year. I mean, Newport beat Leicester, um, and Wimbledon beat West Ham as well. So and Millwall were within a kick away of of getting into the semi final. So yeah, and and massively sidetracked from the fact that we were talking about Watford Crystal Palace, but it's it's a semi final that, to be honest, both Watford and Wolves who take part in one semi-final will feel that on a cup final day anything can happen you'd assume they're going to play Manchester City who face Brighton in the other one but about anything can happen in an FA Cup final as you proved with with the Wigan one so congrats to Watford for getting through they they took the lead through a really weird corner it just flicked off and then on to Etienne Capoue just side foot at home um, and then Batshuayi equalized and then Andre Gray who's been a bit of a forgotten figure sometimes at Watford coming up with another late goal so it's the Hornets who are through to the to the semi-final against the Wolves an all animal affair in one semi-final and that can't be an acronym for Brighton versus Man City it's the Seagulls versus uh, their nickname is the Citizens but I don't Seagulls always beat Citizens I've had enough chips stolen on Brighton (laughs) Beach to know that one but I mean while we're talking about the semi-finals Watford Wolves, Brighton, Manchester City. Who's your money on to get to the final? Oh, I'd love it if City got knocked out by Brighton. It would be the best thing. <laughs> um, I don't think they will. I think they'll probably trash them about five or six nil. Um, but yeah, I'd love it. So I think I think obviously City. I think will go through. I'd back Wolves to beat Watford, but Wolves have been a bit dodgy this season in it. They performed so so well against the top six. But then seem to sort of slack off a bit in like lower league teams, uh, sorry, lower place teams. And even though Watford have literally mm. let one place blow them in the Premier League and um, are still quite a good side, um, I don't imagine Wolves will actually um, like sit off and leave it. I think they'll they'll set up just as if they were facing Man City. Um, Wolves are still sorry. Watford are still incredibly dangerous with dangerous with De La Feu. Um, on the counter and Pereira. So, I don't know. I think I'll go with Wolves, but I, I reckon it'll be a really, really close match. Okay, that's fair. 
I, I'm going to go Watford. I don't know why. I think they've got they've got the bit between their teeth. And I know Wolves played really, really well against Manchester United, but I don't know why. I just feel like Watford have got something. They've got a little bit of a fire in their belly and I think oh, they'll I think do it. And then I can't see... Oh, it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a very good game. Um, I think City will absolutely steamroll Brighton, to be fair. Uh, even with Man City, the quadruple is still very on for them. So I don't think at this point Pep's going to take it easy. I think he's going to want his side to go out there and absolutely thump a team who who had to get through against lower league opposition on penalties in the quarterfinals. So I'd imagine it's going to be a Manchester City Watford. That's what that's what my heart is saying. Man City Watford yeah. final. Brighton Wolves. No, I'm kidding. Um, after the break, <laughs> we'll be talking about the Premier League matches and then a bit of news from elsewhere as well. Join us in a minute. Well- If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. Welcome back. Uh, that was the break. Now we're talking about the Premier League. Um, I think we'll start purely because Alan isn't here to say West Ham played really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. They were against bottom of the table team, who I'm pretty sure scored more than one goal for the first time this season. I think it's the, it's, I think it's the it, third time that Huddersfield have only have scored three goals in their entire team time in the Premier League or something. Yeah, that that wouldn't even surprise me to be honest. Um, but fair play to West Ham again. They came back and they've won three consecutive games in the Premier League. For the first time at the London Hernandez Stadium. Hernandez is literally like just embracing the super sub even more. Like we thought it had stopped when he left United. <laughs> and then comes on and scores two goals in less than 10 minutes to win a match for West Ham. Like he just is He's, Mr. Super Sub. He is. If you go into a, any Oxford dictionary and uh, you scroll across to F and you find Fox in the box, <laughs> you just get a picture of Javier Hernandez. It's just, yeah, he's such a great finisher. And you know, it's great to have a player like that to bring on um, when you need goals. Because he did it. He came on at half-time mm. for Antonio and saved them, to be honest. Um, Huddersfield played really well as well, to be honest. Um, two goals from Grant were just stunning, um, especially a second one that flew past the keeper. Um, you'd like to think it would be promising for Huddersfield, but it's not because they're bottom of the table and they're getting relegated. Um, mm. But if you know if, if they're performing like that now, it's a shame that they haven't. You know, they've taken seven months to actually get to this point. Yeah, it is. And <laughs> the annoying thing I think is, I was watching match of the day, and or, or I was listening to to something, and there was one of the pundits on Football Focus or something said, "Oh, this is a performance that that Huddersfield can really build on." And I was thinking, yeah, you're not wrong, but there's like seven games left of the season. (laughs) It's like they're building on for a different season because they're not going to survive in this one. But yeah, fair play to them. And and one more word on Javier Hernandez. He scored 52 goals in the Premier League, all of them inside the box. Oh, you're kidding. Fox in the box. I think he's like seven goals. Again, I I think Tim Cahill scored like 59 goals. 
inside the box. So he's he's catching up with Can old you Imagine Kimmy. him and Ruben Neves mixed. They'd be the best player in the world. They could score from anywhere on the pitch. <laughs> um, to be oh. fair, we are talking about West Ham. Sorry, <laughs> Mark Noble did. Mark Noble did score a penalty. That has to be. Yeah, it's only his like <laughs> third goal, and they've all been penalties. Um, exactly. If Tom Coley gets sole watch, I get Noble watch. <laughs> There's not much to do for your job. Don't worry. Um, do you think we'll see <laughs> Huddersfield the year after next in the Premier League? Uh, Strong gut feeling says no. Oh. I think there's, I think there's a couple of teams in the championship who aren't going to get promoted or who will miss out on promotion because because they won't all win the playoffs because you can't do that in the championship. And and I think they're just stronger teams. Yes, maybe they'll get a uh, a new couple of players in. They're going to lose players for sure. Um, but I think there's a couple of teams in that in that championship table for sure who are better than them. But hey. I'm a cynical man, Tim. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I think potentially they could. If they embrace this goal-scoring form they've found with <laughs> six matches left, then sure. Um, but I don't know. They could end up just being as crappy as they've been all season, to be honest, and end up getting relegated. Who knows? Um, let's <laughs> move on to Tom's team, Bournemouth. Um, relatively decent performance against Newcastle, but they would have been very sad to uh, concede in the 94th minute. And to Matt Ritchie as well, who played yeah. for them, who they sold to Newcastle. Probably quite annoying for Bournemouth, to be fair, in the fact that they conceded at the end of both halves. Solomon Rondon scored in injury time in the first half, and then Matt Ritchie scored in the injury time in the second half. So they'll be annoyed with that. Uh, Josh King added another two goals. Again, should put him back in my fantasy team, but it doesn't matter. Mind. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, probably you know an even game by by the sounds of it. I didn't watch it. I'll be brutally honest with you. I was unfortunately working on Saturday, but you know what? A, a good result for Newcastle, who have really gone up the table. They're thirteenth now, and bearing in mind we had them tipped for relegation, and granted they're still only seven points away from it, but. They're only three points behind Bournemouth in the league table. So there wasn't ever going to be much in this game. And, and in the end, it was, it was, a, it was a draw. Um, how much of that do we think is Benitez's effect that Newcastle have actually climbed significantly away from the relegation zone? He's a very good manager. And they tend not to concede many goals against the big sides. And I think that's the thing that's, that we've spoken about quite a lot. He is very, very astute at not getting hammered by the big sides. They beat City this season already once. So you can see how good he is against the big teams. And yes, maybe they they falter against the smaller teams and, and they lose points here and there. But because he does so well in just keeping that defence so compact, they don't concede much. So even if they did get dragged into a relegation, relegation fight, they're never going to go down on goal difference. And now they've started winning games. Miguel Almiron has been pretty decent, to be honest. He's looked all right since his move from uh, Atlanta United. A lot of people thought, oh, MLS player, he's going to come over here, he's not going to be very good. He's been fine. He's been really good. I I work with a lot of Newcastle fans, and they've been pretty impressed with him, to be fair. They said, he looks tidy on the ball, he offers a nice attacking threat, and and Newcastle are benefiting from it. And Simon Rondon's been in a decent run of form as well, so all-round good times for Newcastle, and and they deserve to stay in the Premier League, because yeah, you can say what you will about their chairman, but I think Newcastle fans and, and Newcastle players are, 
are very solid and it'd be nice to see them actually do well again. Saying that, Tom will probably kill me because I haven't mentioned anything about Bournemouth. But Charlie Daniels played <laughs> and he got booked. And that's all I can say. And that's what matters. Because we get the tweets in about Charlie Daniels, so we've got to mention him every episode. Um, yeah, <laughs> it is the rules and we will stick by them forever. Um, well, I was going to quickly mention, yeah, Almiron's come in, hasn't really scored, but has had a quite an, you know, an impact. He's quick. But I think what Newcastle have really flourished with recently is the fact that Rondon has genuinely picked up some form. Um, mm. He's been such a presence in the box at holding up play, and he's been able to finish as well. Something that they've re- Newcastle have really lacked for most of the season. So I think, yeah, credit to Almiron and to a few other players, but I think Rondon has changed the game, really, because without him, they'd be a stuttering mess still, I think. Um, he is their target yeah. point. Yeah, and, and do you know what the best thing about it is for Newcastle? They're finally actually giving him support because he's a good striker, Yes, you can be six foot two and, and strong and be good at holding up the ball. But if no one supports you with any decent crosses and no one's willing to run in behind you and support you when you flip the ball on, you will never do anything. So I think that's what's been a big change for Newcastle. Perez looks looks decent. I mean, he's one of those players that's never the quickest, but he's more than happy to to get the ball to feet and, and create something. And Almiron is a little bit faster and has looked quite decent as well. So I think it's that support that, that has offered them. A couple of things that I want to test you on. Let's see if let's see your, how uh, how tuned up you are with Norwegian footballers. Oh, so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the only Norwegian player to score more Premier League goals than Josh King. Can you tell me how many goals they've both scored in the Premier League? What combined or? No, no. So give give them to me separately. Oh, I don't know. Um... Okay, I'll I'll be nice. Josh King has scored forty one. Right, goals I was I was gonna say fifty odd for Solskjaer. Um, Solskjaer, 50 goals. 55. You've gone 55. It's 91. 91? He was fucking no, he amazing, was. mate. He's got so I just, many goals. Oh, I just always think of him as the, you know, the, the, again, the super sub that came on at the end and more matches. I just didn't know. It ever occurred to me that he scored that many. Jeez. He, he bloody loved to bang him in. Two, two things I wanted to mention in this, just because we were having a conversation on the WhatsApp group um, as well. So, Jeff Lerma, who plays for Bournemouth, who Tom bloody loves, he's picked up 11 yellow cards this season. That's more than any other player in the Premier League. And that's joint with Harry Arter, who played for Bournemouth a couple of seasons ago in 2016 2017. That's mental. <laughs> <laughs> he, lo- he loves picking up bookings. Um, but one thing that me, Tom, and Ryan were discussing, because um, we regularly discuss. Bournemouth affairs. You know, only Manchester United have won more penalties than Bournemouth in the Premier League this season. United have won 10. Bournemouth have won nine penalties this season. They're a really dangerous side in the box. And I don't think a lot of people give them credit. No, I think for that's it. probably down to Callum Wilson and Josh King. Um, and to then like Ryan Fraser as well. Um, because they're like tricky, quick players that once they get into the box, like any contact on them, you'll take them down. They're sort of. You can liken them to uh, like Eden Hazard when he sort of gets going and it's just immediately fouled. Like, I think if as soon as they get into the box yeah. and start dribbling, they're so dangerous. Um, that makes sense. I'm surprised United have had so many, to be honest. <laughs> um, that's the... Manchester United, we tend to get yeah. them. <laughs> we, do... 
Referees are like, ah, come on. <laughs> Get a load of angry Manchester fans yelling at you if you don't. Um, yeah, that's weird. I mean, if you get your goals, it doesn't matter how you get them. So maybe that's their tactic to exactly. keep going. Maybe that's Eddie Howe's secret. Callum Wilson did miss a penalty on the opening day of the season, though, against Cardiff. Granted, he went on to score the winner in that game anyway. But um, me, Tom and Ryan were watching it in a, a burger establishment of the GBK variety. We were watching it on my phone. And when he missed the penalty, I'm pretty sure Tom put down his knife and fork rather loudly. <laughs> were there some words said as well? <laughs> there, were, there was some mumbling into his cup of water. <laughs> some swearing into a beer, more likely. Um, <laughs> the final Saturday game then... Uh, Burnley losing to Leicester. Um, Wes Morgan coming on in the sixth minute and then scoring the 90th minute winner. <laughs> Bloody Wes. Stunning, stunning Brilliant. performance from him. Like He got an applause in the changing room uh, because of his performance, having come on, obviously put the captain's armband on and just winning Leicester that game. Um, admittedly, they were 1-0 oh. up, but to score in the 90th minute and have the defensive performance that he put in. like The amount of balls he headed away and just properly cleared, unlike all this... Man City dilly dallying playing out from the back. Um, <laughs> such before. You can't say that as a Chelsea fan. <laughs> you literally play the ball out. From yeah, the we're back. shit at it. <laughs> <laughs> I can say what I want. Uh, no, but fair, fair play to Brendan Rodgers, who who seems to have steadied the ship there. You 100% know that Brendan Rodgers is claiming that as a super sub as well, <laughs> even though he was forced forced into bringing Wes Morgan on because of the red card to Maguire. You 100% know as soon as Morgan scored that, he just turned to the bench. He was like, I did that. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> I, I chose to bring on a centre-back. <laughs> could, could have brought on Okazaki, but no. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Just get a red card and then subbing off your other centre-back to bring a striker on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just go on, Okazaki. Just go, just play in the hole. Which hole? The cent, the centre back hole. <laughs> Okazaki, you can't Remember pick it. He's on... the tiniest player ever. Um, <laughs> no, great performance from Leicester, despite the red card. Um, literally from playing with ten men for pretty much the entire match. Um, ending Burnley's run of form, um, provided nicely by Chris Wood and um, Ashley Barnes, who neither of them. Uh, were terribly great. And then Peter Crouch came on for Chris Wood in the 70th minute. Always lovely to see Peter Crouch because he lumbers around and doesn't really do anything anymore. He has a podcast, mate. <laughs> does that's that help what he Burnley does. win? That's what he does now. Sometimes. <laughs> in what way? Revenue, shirt sales. I don't know. Rubbish. I don't know. I'm not businessman. Um, right, let's move on. The Sunday matches, uh, Fulham losing to Liverpool. Sadio Mane is just on fire right now. Um, great goal. Uh, Ball to uh, Firmino from Mane. Firmino puts it straight back across, slots it in, and then uh, Milner scores the penalty to uh, win the game for them after um, Babel scored the equaliser in the 74th minute. Apparently, Ryan Babel knows Virgil van Dijk's secret, but only he gets to know. Um, <laughs> oh, in the Ryan press. He's like, oh, I know, I know Virgil's weakness, but just refuses to tell anyone. In all credit, though, uh, Van Dyke definitely within a shout of um, player of the year this season. Without doubt, um, one of the two players alongside uh, Mane that are going to get Liverpool's player of the year. But, you know, he's going to mm. be in the team of the year and it's just such a brilliant season from him because he's a complete rock. Yeah, no, he's, he's been brilliant. You know what, actually, that you mentioned player of the year, 
it's a really interesting discussion now because like a month ago, I would have said nailed on Hyung Min Son. Like he'd scored so many goals, so many important goals while Harry Kane was out. Now I genuinely have no idea. Mane scored 11 goals in 11 games. Salah has played okay. He scored 17 goals this season, but he's been on a bit of a drought. Hazard sort of been in and out. Van Dijk's been solid at the back. You've got so many players who it could be. I genuinely don't know who's going to win it this year, which is actually, for once, quite interesting. Aguero as well. He's banging Obama, the goals. Abami. Yeah. Honestly, so many players. Lacazette's been decent recently as well. I mean, you could argue Rashford's been okay. Darling. Pope has stepped up since so many players. Sane. Let's just keep naming footballers to the end of the pod. <laughs> An interesting, I think definitely in, what, there's seven games, six or seven games left to go in the season. Really interesting to see who really stakes a claim for, for player of the year, because it could be I anyone. we might have to do I a mean, separate young... podcast after the season finishes. Yeah. Because there's there's, Let... you could pick out an entire team with difficulty, but trying to pick one player out of that is horrid. And we will pick an entire team in the game time team of the season. Oh, great. More work for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, will it be the team of the millennium? No. 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 Um, God, no. 100% no. <laughs> uh, right. As you can tell, delaying the final match to talk about, um, Everton <laughs> beat Chelsea 2-0 at Goodison. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just going to let you. I've talked enough on this pod. I'm going to let you do you. But before you do you, I want to say Liverpool are technically top of the table again. We should mention that because City haven't played their next game yet. Yeah, let's talk about that more. Go. Um, so, City have got a game in hand. <laughs> and Chelsea lost oh, I'm 2 I'm so angry. Alonso started. Yeah, because he's shit. He's so bad. Like, Oh, I don't, I don't, genuinely don't even know where to start. Like, so we played a really good first half. Like, despite having a really crappy team with Alonso playing, who is just terrible, you cannot get two games on in a row out of him where he's good in both. He can be all right in the first one mm. and then it's just a pile of dog shit. Um, Rudiger and David Luiz were useless. Um, Barkley's somehow managing to start and admittedly Loftus-Cheek is struggling with his back injury. He played 90 minutes in the Europa League and he's had to pull out of the England match. So Barkley's starting. Um, Jorginho is actually all right, but then you've got Pedro, um, who's just very out of form. Like He's just such an up-and-down player because on his day, he can be really good. But when he's not on his day, he's utterly useless. Um, and then Higuain. Like, as well as I think he's been playing, he's not scoring enough goals. He's got three. And that's not enough. Um, mm. So, and then Hazard was quiet in the second half as well. So, like, and credit to Everton, the second half they came out were great, were really, really good. Probably should have scored a few more. Walker had a great chance. Um, and Richarlison probably could have scored again. So, you know, Everton deserved to win in the second half, but Chelsea's inability to score goals, and especially in that first half when we were playing better, is such an issue. And I think now it's got to the point where if we don't win the Europa League, we're not getting Champions League football next year. It'd be interesting because the race for top four is now super, super competitive. Um, do you think you can do the business in the Europa League? I mean, you hammered, was it Dinamo Kiev in the last round and you seem to be having yeah, fun Yeah, that was it. an incredibly poor Kiev side though. Like, they were really, really bad, both legs. Um, Arsenal are always 
tricky. So if we come up against them in the final, I don't know. But they've got Napoli. So, um, you know, that will be the final if we get through um, Napoli or Arsenal. Um, I think we'll get to the final. I don't think we'll struggle. We've got uh, Slavia Prague in the next round. Um, and then I can't quite remember who we've got, who we would have in the semis. But um, I think we'll get to the final. It's then difficult. Do we, who we, um, if we beat Napoli or Arsenal, of course, uh, Sarri's old side, Napoli, um, might make one want to win it even more. But it's going to be such a difficult match. But it's horrible having to rely on that to get Champions League football. Um, and mm. I think we were in this is what pisses me off. We were in such good position um, to get into the top four. We had two games in hand and only need four points. We drew with Wolves and lost to Everton. So, of a possible six, we got one and we're still sick. Like, it's shocking. There's literally the, the one moment in the season where you need your team to step up and your players to step up and your managers to step up. They fail massively. And it's so disappointing. Top four isn't out of the question, but we can't drop any more points um, and something needs to change, whether it's Sarri's team selection or the way he's played. Cause I thought he was doing quite well against um, some of these big teams he played where he's dropped back and played a different style of football and um, all seem to have gone out the window here. Yeah, It's been a really mixed season for, for Chelsea. who started really, really well. And it looked like Sarri was like, yeah, no, that's fine. I'll bring my Sarri ball here. But, it's faltered in the last few weeks. But again, we have to probably say credit to Everton who, who yeah. took their chances. Gilfie Sigurdsson missed a penalty. Scored the rebound. Scored the rebound. So it doesn't even no, matter. Literally, it's probably, if anything, probably looks better for him because it doesn't go down as a penalty. Yes, true. Annoyingly for fantasy football for users, though, he'll lose points for the penalty <laughs> miss and then gain, gain slightly less points for scoring. Oh, that's quite funny. That's made me cheer up a little bit. Um, no, great. They did very well. Um, and a big win for them. To... Can I cheer you up a little oh, bit you more? Try. <laughs> um, obviously, the England squad got announced this week. We'll be doing a full episode later on in the week before the friendly on Monday um, about it. But obviously, your man, your chosen one, I hate that <laughs> nickname, got in the team. Surprising? What do you it think? It was surprising. I didn't expect it, considering he hasn't had a Premier League start under Sarri. And that's not by any means defining of how good of a player he is, because if I was managing Chelsea, he'd have been had about 40 starts in the Premier League by now, and that's impossible. Um <laughs> he you know, he didn't get in the original squad, but because of injuries he's been drafted in. But I mean, I don't think anyone can't say they're not excited to see him potentially play alongside Sancho and Rashford and Sterling, um, which will be just an absolutely devastatingly quick and technical attack. Um, no, I'm very, I'm really, really happy for him because um, he's got a great attitude. And I think people that don't watch Chelsea or don't like the club will find it strange. Um because, yeah, he hasn't really been playing and you think, oh, he's not got into a great Chelsea side. But I think that's because of Maurizio Sarri's sort of stubbornness and refusal to play him. But as we know, Southgate is not a stranger to playing youth at all. And I think, you know, he getting in now will be really great for him. And I think it'll be difficult to drop him um, when he starts getting regular starts. So I'm, I'm very pleased for him. Um, yeah. I saw a few people saying that um, Aaron Van Bissaka has been a sort of hard, hard done by uh, with Luke Shaw dropping out he's sort of you know 
he's been replaced by a winger. Um, so, mm. but like, and I think he probably should be in the team, but um, you can't take it away from Callum. No, he's. I think it's the perfect example of exactly what Gareth Southgate is all about: blooding young players into getting into the squad. Yes, maybe he'll he'll definitely make an appearance. Is he maybe deserving as much as other people? Probably not. But if he's going to be the full-time and long-term future for one of those England wings, then why not blood him now? Yeah. And like I think it's really healthy to have him compete with Sancho um, if it's for the same spot or um, they sort of play like a fluid three in attacking midfield with him, Sterling and, and Sancho, then that's great as well. But I think the competition is good and... It's just great to see so much young talent coming through as well because you've got, again, like players like Rashford, who is young. Obviously, he's already established as England, but he's still young. Alexander-Arnold um, and like a load of young players actually getting minutes now for England. Um, and, it you know, it's so promising, especially after the great result we had uh, in the World Cup as well. Yeah, no, 100%. And although I might not be an England fan, Still, still appreciate the fact that it is a very, very good time for for England football at the moment with, with all the talent that you guys have got coming through. Yep. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yep. I hundred percent agree with you. I just want to see us play some good football, and I think with the players we've got, that's not uh, an issue. Yes, no, I I agree with you. Shall we uh, finish off with some talking points before we we wrap it up? I think that's a very good idea. May May I start? You may. And I didn't mention this at the at the beginning um, when we were talking about Newcastle. Newcastle have an identical record to this point last season. If you take this exact point in time right now, Newcastle have an identical record to the same point last season. 31 games played, 9 wins, 8 draws, 14 losses, 31 goals scored, 40 conceded, goal difference minus 9. Points thirty five. That's so strange. It's scary and and consistent. <laughs> Very. <laughs> that was that was the uh, one of the ones I had, and the other one was uh, Theo Walcott turned thirty this week. Is that it? <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw what happened. No. So, so do you ever watch the Peep Show with uh, Robert Webb and I David Mitchell? Done, no, I know what it is. So in one of the episodes, it's just a really fleeting moment. Um, Robert Webb's character, uh, Jez, basically says that his make get rich quick idea is to sell the headline 3-0 Walcott when Theo Walcott turns 30. So that, ha- that happened this week. <laughs> and, and one newspaper did in fact use the title 3-0 Walcott. And they credited his character from the Peep <laughs> Show. It says a little thing. There's Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott turns 30 today. It seems only yesterday he was called up for Germany 2006. Headline credit, Jeremy Osborne Croydon, which is the name <laughs> of the character that Robert Webb played in the Peep oh, Show. Oh, that's so good. That's brilliant. So those are those are my two for this week. <laughs> um, what, I, what I've got, you may have seen uh, Genoa beat Juventus in Serie A. Uh, last week, and they did. There were calls from both Juventus and Genoa fans to have their money back because Ronaldo was not on the in the uh, in the squad, um, and so they wanted their money <laughs> back because they didn't get to see him. 
Oh my god. If that is not outing yourself as a plastic fan, then I don't know what is. Oh my god, who cares? <laughs> Go and watch your team. You just watch... You're more likely to get your money exactly. back to saying that Juventus didn't play very well and lost so that they've travelled to Genoa yeah. to then lose awfully and then you can get your money back, not because Ronaldo isn't in the squad. Um... <laughs> uh... Fair play to Genoa, though. Could win first loss of the season for, for Juve, so... Fair play, general. Um, the only thing I've got is Anton Griezmann has apologised for snubbing Barcelona's transfer <laughs> last last summer. Um, he was in a documentary <laughs> called The Decision, um, where he decided to stay at Atletico, uh, and he's like apologised um, for not moving, which I wouldn't be too happy with, with if I was an Atletico fan. Yeah, that's that's odd. You normally do it the other way around. You normally apologise to the team you've left, not the team that you're. Not leaving. Yeah, too. so that's a bit dodgy. He's been linked with PSG um, for this summer, depending on whether Neymar and Mbappe stay, which I don't think both of them will. Um, so we might see him move yeah. back to his native country in France, but um, he'll probably then apologise to PSG for joining. <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. I really, <laughs> really dislike being here. Thank you very <laughs> much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back on potentially Friday. Um, with the, uh, you know, our record of uploading episodes at the moment, uh, with an Eng- all England episode um, with Danny and Ryan and Alan and potentially Tom, if he's not still crying about drawing with Newcastle. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye.